Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. We're talking our FFPC best ball draft on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Roto-Viz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin alongside... Curtis Patrick, we are two of the owners at Rotoviz. We are fired up this evening as we record because we are in the midst of a very exciting FFPC best ball draft where we've put together a really interesting squad. We have a stack in there, if you will, that we're very excited about. The commander is back. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing great, man. Um it it's this is like a, always a really fun part of the draft. You know, we're 18 rounds in and it's right about the time that I like to go ahead and fire up my next one. So <laughs> as we're, as we're kind of, you know, evaluating how this team is shaping up, what we like, what we didn't like, what was, you know, what we landed on because of draft position versus, you know, what we went after strategically, kind of all that stuff. And then it just sets up, you know, for another experiment right after. So I just can't get enough. Of, of, of really all the, you know, the best ball games from our partners. You know, we're talking FFPC tonight, going after that big $200,000 prize. You know, we're obviously chasing best ball mania three over an underdog as well. Uh, I know a lot of our counterparts here on the site are, are doing it too. I mean, Calm and, um, uh, and Connor, I know, and Zach are talking a lot of best ball over on the best ball podcast. So make sure if you're, if you haven't listened to that yet, make sure you check that out. And then, you know, Colm and Sean and Ben on their various shows also going after it. So, yeah, we're, we're getting into that part of the season, man. We're, we're almost into the, the, the zero RB countdown type uh, prep work. We've got Dave's projections. We're going to have the must draft stuff coming out. We're going to have Scott Fishbowl coming up soon. I mean, we're, we're in it, man. It's really exciting. And so I can't wait to, to cut this thing up. And uh, I think you got to toss me. I got to toss myself the <laughs> FFPC stat attack here because we got to talk about Aaron Rodgers, man. Uh, last week, I think the first show last week, you were trying to talk me into drafting Rodgers on this team in the yep. ninth round. Yep. And I, and I basically smacked you and said, why? <laughs> Like there's no way we're drafting Aaron Rodgers on this yep. team. Yep. Well, we drafted Aaron Rodgers on this team. <laughs> um, we did take, we did end up taking um, Alan, Alan Lazard in the ninth round. 
um, just to back that up. But in the 10th, I mean, all the way at 10.08, I mean, we're getting, you know, Rogers almost two full rounds below ADP at this point. And it just felt like, man, stacking that on top of Burrow, coming fresh off back-to-back uh, MVPs, a chance to kind of rub everyone's, you know, nose in it with Devontae yep. leaving. I mean, from an attitude perspective, it does seem like Rodgers has thrived in his career when people said that he couldn't do it. Um, and, and he just turns in these crazy 38, 43 touchdown seasons with like four interceptions. He really is just remarkable. But, you know, before the show, Dave and I are checking out the uh, NFL Stat Explorer, which is where I get most of my stat attacks from uh, for this FFPC-sponsored segment. And then it flipped me into the Game Splits app because I'm like looking at Rodgers over the course of his career. He's just he's always a QB one. I mean, in the Lafleur era, he's never been worse than QB ten, and he's been as high as QB three. But it doesn't matter who I subtract, Dave, from from the <laughs> math equation in in our Game Splits app. No matter who you take out of the Packers offense, Aaron Rodgers scores more fantasy points. It is nuts. It's nuts. So if I look at uh, either the LaFleur era, which is the last three seasons, 2019 and forward, and or uh, the, the the amount of time that a player has actually been on the Packers in the LaFleur era. So like yep. for AJ Dillon, I would only use two years, right? I can take all of these players out individually and Rodgers averages more fantasy points, no, regardless of, you know, well, well, actually when they're out of the lineup. So he averaged more points with Devontae Adams out of the lineup the last three seasons. He averaged more points without Marcus... Valdez Scantling in the lineup the last three seasons. He averaged more points without Aaron Jones in the lineup. He averaged more points without AJ Dillon in the lineup. He averaged more points without Randall Cobb in the lineup. And he averaged more points without Robert Tunyon in the lineup. Do you know, Dave, there is only one player in the Packers offense and their skill mix that's a returning player that wasn't drafted this year or wasn't yep. signed as a free agent. There's only one player that he averaged more points with in the lineup than out of the lineup. And it was only by 0.31 points per game. But would you care to guess who it is? And they're currently with the team. Yes. Is it Randall Cobb? No, it's not Cobb. It's the guy that we drafted. It's Alan Lazard. Oh, he's the only <laughs> nice. Yeah, nice. it's crazy. No, I'm looking at it backwards. He averaged more points without Lazard too. Oh god. So it's 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 yep. literally it's it's it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Like Rogers scores 23 to 25 points. It's nuts. So it really is one of those situations where, you know, the Lafleur Rogers pairing has kind of seemed to maximize what we get from Rogers in a passing efficiency perspective. I mean, he's been a, a QB one in 72% of games uh, in the last two seasons. So you think about 2020 and 2021 in particular being the years where uh, he didn't have to learn the offense, you know, with all of the, the, the you know, the pandemic limitations yep. uh, like he would have in the, in the first season uh, and, and all of that. And even in that season, you know, he, he was QB 10, but if you look at the per game, you know, efficiency and production, uh, starting in year two of, of that marriage. It's really just been awesome. And so we did, I mean, it's kind of tying the stat attack back into the draft. We did end up taking Aaron Rodgers in the 10th round, uh, getting that stack with Alan Lazard. You know, Rodgers has had nothing but glowing things to say 
about Lazard, you know, that he's done the dirty work the first couple of years, looking forward to expanding his role and, you know, thinks he's going to have a lot of opportunities, you know, all the, all the stuff you'd expect, um, you know, a, a veteran who's trying to build a team culture up uh, to say, but you know, it is kind of interesting. I mean, Rogers is one of the guys when he's talked to player up, he typically has actually given him opportunities, you know? Yep. Uh, so, so that's, that's kind of interesting. And then we come back, we'll go out of order here in this draft in the 16th round, a player I would have never thought uh, to select, but you know, in the context of this team at this point where we're probably only going to go to quarterbacks with Burrow and Rogers, yep. we did select Sammy Watkins and, you know, just only needing a couple games, you know, maybe Watkins comes in and he gets those MVS deep targets. Um, and he just gives us a couple of the, you know, a couple spike weeks, a couple splash games. That's all we're really looking for, obviously in this format. So, um, Dave, you, you did wear me down, um, on the Rogers selection. I, I think <laughs> now that we got a little bit deeper into that green Bay stack, now that we've done the research and it doesn't matter, I mean, whoever trots out there in that lineup, Rogers is going to yep. produce. Um, and, and there's also been a lot of discussion too, about Aaron Jones having, you know, an expanded role as a pass catcher, you know, maybe he actually, uh, get to get some different looks this year. I mean, we don't care. I mean, as long as Rogers is checking it down to him and he gets the stats, like it doesn't really matter. So uh, maybe some thoughts from you on the green Bay stack, and then we'll kind of go back through sequentially and catch the listeners up. Sure. Well, I think one of the important things to think about here is one could say, well, now you've invested a lot into that Packers offense, uh, which, you know, this is centered around Rogers, which as you just demonstrated, shouldn't really concern us that much, but also think about it in the context of, our main quarterback here is uh, Joe Burrow, right? Joe Burrow and Aaron Rodgers last year in best ball win rates among quarterbacks were both in the top five. Now, I think that obviously there's some changes with ADP, but I'm expecting similar performances from both of these quarterbacks this year. So you you have now a potential where I think that we could steal a couple of weeks here and there just based upon Green Bay having a good game. This still looks like a team that's primed to be one of the top teams competing week in and week out in the NFC. We can expect these points from Aaron Rodgers. So being able to build in that upside for pretty cheap later on in this draft, and especially as it kind of, this was not forced at all. It just fell to us. This is one of those things that that's sometimes right. falls into your lap and you, you go ahead and you, you make the most of it. Yeah, I, I think that, that was very well said. And we, you know, we've got, I, I think we're rolling two dice on the primary pass catcher in Green Bay. We don't have the the Christian Watson dice in our hand, uh, but that's okay. I mean, you know, that hasn't really been Rogers MO yep. uh, to feature a younger player in the offense. He has kind of been like, he has that that history. I mean, Jordy was a late breakout. Devontae Adams was a late breakout. Why can't it be Lazard breaking out late? All the other guys who would have had a chance to be that player are gone. You know, MVS uh, leaving this offseason, you know, the year prior, Geronimo Allison leaving. You know, there's other players who, you know, could have potentially been that guy are gone. And Alan Lazard has one of the highest AYAs with Rodgers of any receiver in his career. So an expanded role could be, really be exciting for both of them. Um, so yeah, I, I'm pretty pumped about that. Uh, that gives you our ninth and 10th round picks. We'll quickly just kind of catch people up before we get into round 11, where, where the squad was. So, 
uh, Burrow and Rodgers are the quarterbacks in rounds four, six, and eight. We take our trio of running backs to this point. Cam Akers, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and Kareem Hunt. Uh, our, our wide receivers are Jamar Chase, Tyreek Hill, Cortland Sutton, and Alan Lazard to this point. Uh, four wide receivers deep. And we did go with the George Kittle pick in round three, which we talked a lot about yep. uh, in one of last week's episodes. So that that gets us caught up. Um, at this point through 10 rounds, you know, we're, we're very balanced. You know, two quarterbacks, three running backs, four wide receivers, and a tight end. Much more balanced than I think either of us typically would be. Now, I rarely get to this point in the draft having two quarterbacks already, uh, usually in favor of having five wide receivers. Um, so that felt a little different. So, we, you know, going into rounds 11 and 12, we're looking for, you know, some more upside at receiver and also perhaps, you know, a nice floor play too. And, you know, in, in case Lazard takes some time to get cooking or, you know, maybe we, we you know, whiff on one of these other receivers, it would just be kind of nice to have a guy plugging in 15, 16 points a week uh, to help out in that, in that flex spot. So in, in the 11th round, we actually go for one of Rogers, former receivers who's in a different situation now and Marcus Valdez Scantling. So, you know, Dave, maybe a couple thoughts on how MVS fits into this wide receiver group of Chase Hill, Sutton and Lazard at this point. Sure. So we were kind of thinking about this through the context of we have the established guys, you know, we've spent some significant uh, draft capital, if you will, on these players, what we're looking for now are guys that can supplement with week to week upside, right? When you're at this point in the draft, that's kind of the type of player you can look at. You're not going to be seeing elite options. You have MVS moving into this situation where he's going to be playing in an offense that already looks like one prime to have guys with big weeks here and there. He has the profile that fits in with Mahomes in a context that makes sense. Uh, so I like the addition of stacking on that week to week upside four spots where maybe, you know, one of our earlier selections goes, uh, you know, has like a, an off week. Um, mm -hmm. So this is a play that's based upon the fact if we get him in the lineup two or three times and it's justified the pick. Yeah, what I those are great thoughts. The other thing that I like here is just, you know, targeting those supporting cast members in elite offenses that are capable of those huge sure. weeks. Um, you know, so we, we have the chase and burrow stack, but even without burrow, obviously chase is attractive Tyreek in the second round, uh, that speaks for itself. But then even if you look at the Sutton and Lazard picks, you know, those are picks that are made based off of the potential upside, you know, with a quarterback, uh, in, in those explosive weeks and getting the MVS access to Mahomes. so far at this point, we've got access to burrow. We've got access to Russell Wilson. We've got access to Aaron Rodgers and access to Patrick Mahomes. You just really like that. Yes. Um, coming back in round 12, we really wanted to add another receiver. And we went for one of my, my all-time favorite fantasy players. Um, not having to reach. We actually did talk about taking this guy in round 11. Yep. And, and we said, let's swing for the fences with, with MVS. You know, non-zero chance he could be the number one wide receiver target getter, even for uh, the Chiefs. You know, I think the, the in-house favorite would be Juju. But, you know, who knows? Um, certainly wouldn't have thought that, you know, fifth round pick Tyreek Hill would have ended up doing, you know, what he would do. Um, so, you know, Mahomes, again, history of elevating, you know, player regardless of draft capital, kind of like Rodgers. Yep. Well, in the 12th round, we go for Jarvis Landry, man. And, and Landry, you know, this is a, a cool play for me because I do have a lot of Michael Thomas in the um, way too early best ball tournament. 
uh, on FFPC from, you know, before the NFL draft, you know, the, the recovery videos are looking a little bit uninspired. Uh, it doesn't look like MT is, is certainly ready, you know, to go gangbusters in, in training camp. Um, or if this is him at max, uh, at max athleticism, uh, he may be showing some of the ill effects of, you know, nearly a two year layoff, uh, yeah. basically without playing. So Landry is really just a slow MT recovery away from 130 targets this year. I mean, he's, he could, you know, potentially be, you know, the cheapest top 18 wide receiver. I mean, we got him at wide receiver 57. And so um, there's nothing but, but upside for Landry, who's obviously been, you know, a, a really good value at ADP nearly, you know, every year of his career. Uh, th- this gives me a good rooting interest on the team. So I was pretty happy with this one. Yeah. And I think that it might've been last year where we said that we had come to the end of the line on Landry, a player that we've both loved over the years, but this change in situation has actually been one that's kind of thrust him into this position now, where if you're getting him at wide receiver 57, it makes a lot of sense. Um, especially in consideration with the rest of this lineup that we have, where it's not like we really are relying on him to come in and be a producer for this team, but we can take that potential swing because when you look at this offense right now, not really a tight end of consequence right there. Alvin Kamara is going to be out for a while, which opens up some targets to open the season. We're hoping that Mark Ingram can backfill some of that. Uh, But if Thomas isn't really there, you have an unproven rookie, in Olave and in a cast of wide receivers that really needs a veteran, this group that Jameis can rely on early until this offense figures things out. And then even if Thomas comes back, it's still possible that you see Landry just getting, you know, some of these easy quality targets that, you know, have been in his bread and butter over the years. Yeah. And, and even in a busted Cleveland offense with, with Baker Mayfield and case Keenum last season and playing on a bum hip all year. Uh, actually missing missing multiple games for the first time uh, in his entire career. Wow. You know, the Ironman that he is. You know, he still had uh, three wide receiver two weeks, you know, at 17 points or higher, uh, around the 20-point-per-game clip twice. Finished the year as wide receiver 38 in points per game, including some games where he really just didn't have a very high snap count. So, I mean, at wide, wide receiver 57, you know, we still have some access to to some starting weeks, obviously, there with with Landry. So, through 12 rounds, we now are at six wide receivers, access to elite quarterbacks with with four of those picks, and then the other two receivers are Landry and Hill, Tyreek Hill. So we're feeling pretty good there. We want to get back to the running back position. Now we waited until you know kind of the middle of the the uh, RB dead zone to take Cam Akers in round four. And then, and then we selected Clyde Edwards-Hilaire in the sixth round and Kareem Hunt in the eighth. So it's kind of a death by a thousand paper cuts approach here, which is, you know, you know, one of the tenets of, of zero RB and targeting some uncertain backfields, uncertain situations. I think we've done that with all three of our first picks and we want to hit that again. So we go to round 13 and we take the RB2 in Chicago. There's a new regime David Montgomery's getting a little longer in the tooth, uh, pr- pretty uh, uh, high touch count on the resume now. We have a player that did pop uh, when he had expanded opportunity uh, last season in Khalil Herbert. So uh, running back 51, a couple thoughts on Herbert here, Dave, and I'll pull up a couple interesting games from last season. Well, 
Yeah, I, I think I know which games you're going to go to probably week six and seven. But as you mentioned, we saw a couple of spots where he did manage to blow up. I think that uh, we could see that again. You've talked a lot. You had a couple of really good notes about some of the offensive scheme changes that we might see coming in Chicago and how yeah. that would open up uh, a lot of room for Herbert to, you know, to to work out. And I think that you made a lot of good points earlier um, I forget if it was last week or the week prior where I was talking about David Montgomery and perhaps that people were kind of, you know, sleeping on him to a certain extent from an ADP perspective. But with those numbers that you had laid out and some of your reasoning of what we could see with that offense, I think that Herbert uh, becomes an interesting option. The other thing also, um, if you're looking for backfields where you can target that number two, I would argue that there's a lot less questions about Herbert being that second line for work than some of the other backfields out there that you could see that people might be interested in targeting. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Now's the time to save 30% on wedding jewelry, only on BlueNile.com. Make sure your wedding ring is the one with your pick of diamond and lab-grown diamond bands, all hand-finished and graded for excellence. Or surprise her with something blue she'll love for life, like a stunning pair of sapphire earrings. Blue Nile's jewelry experts are available 24-7 to help, from fit questions to style advice. Right now, get up to 30% off at BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Yeah, so uh, for, I guess, we'll, let's hit that, and then we'll talk about the Chicago situation specifically. So the other backs that were on the board here, I think that's relevant. Um, the next couple that went off were Marlon Mack, uh, toward the end of the 13th round, J.D. McKissick, and then you come wrapping back around in round 14 with Jamal Williams and Raheem Mostert. Yep. Um, I actually think, uh, to your point, you know, Houston uh, is probably a a two-and-a-half to three running back situation that will have to sort itself out. You know, yep. Rex Burkhead had an expanded opportunity at the end of last season. Uh, they they bring in Damian Pierce, the rookie, and then, you know, Mack has gotten some solid reviews and kind of fits – what I think would be a, a kind of boring approach um, by the Texans in their offense, but um, certainly not going to be the player that he was a couple years ago in Indianapolis. J.D. McKissick, things a little murkier there uh, in Washington, having added Brian Robinson to the mix. You know, Jamal Williams, we've got DeAndre Swift coming back healthy, and a lot of the other weapons that Detroit has added uh, lend towards a belief that you know perhaps they'll they'll feature the pass a little bit more. And then Mostert in a very crowded Miami situation. So Herbert really penciled in as the the RB2 there in Chicago. Uh, it's already proven out like that last season. With some of the notes that I was sharing with Dave, you know, kind of offline as we were going through the draft, just, um, you know, with Luke Getze coming from a two running back system in, in Green Bay, you know, he had been running a system that featured both Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon together. Um, and this outside zone rush scheme, uh, that they are installing really is probably a better fit for Herbert than, than Monty, who is kind of more of a pick my spot um, and, and wade my way through all of the traffic at the line. Um, certainly still some, some zone aspects to that, 
But if we're trying to get a guy on the edge and let him go, that's more Herbert at this point uh, than Montgomery. So um, I think that we're going to get some usable games from Khalil Herbert, even if Monty doesn't go down. This isn't just, you know, like a, a handcuff and, and right. hope situation. So uh, as our RB4, you know, if he did only give us those two starts like we would have gotten last year, that would be a little bit disappointing. I'd be looking for more like, you know, maybe four or five games for him if, you know, he's factoring in as a, a flex potentially this year. Now, I think my note even said, um, who were we, who else were we? Oh, we were deciding between him and Hayden Hurst. Yep. Um, I think at that, that uh, juncture, we were not considering any of these other running backs and, you know, already having George Kittle, you know, we really need him to smash and, you know, taking our tight end to this early when we would assume that that Kittle is going to be in that lineup, you know, every week of the season, it made sense for us to address the weaker position. So strategically, that's just a couple of extra notes there. Right. And then obviously the reason that Hurst had entered the conversation was the possibility of stacking him um, with Joe Burrow. And then also with it being a tight end premium league, tight ends were starting to run a little thin. Yeah. So wrapping around to uh, round 14, Hurst goes one pick <laughs> actually before our round 14 uh, selection uh, sniped there by rum horse. Uh, that, that was pretty painful. We did add our tight end two there in Austin Hooper, uh, who has a nice opportunity in an uncertain passing attack in Tennessee. Uh, Traylon Burks, who Dave and I, you know, both uh, really like as a prospect, hasn't really gotten his footing quite yet due to some conditioning uh, questions that seem to be lingering a little bit more than makes me comfortable. Yep. Uh, you have Robert Woods uh, trying to reassert himself after the injury from last season. I mean, it is it's ba- basically wide open. I mean, there, there's zero reason that Austin Hooper couldn't end up, you know, being the number two target getter in that offense. It really would not uh, surprise me just because of the the mix of other players coming in and out. We've seen some really productive years from Hooper uh, in situations where the offense was like that. Uh, in the Atlanta Falcons uh, years before he moved on. So I think this is an ideal type of tight end two to pair with Kittle. You know, we have a chance to take, you know, a a dart throw in round 18, 19, or 20 with one of our final picks if if we opt to do it. But I'm actually fine just rolling with these two guys, Dave. Yeah, I I agree here. And I, I like the way that this roster has shaken out at this point uh, and some of the flexibility that we had by kind of going with what this draft was willing to give us. Um, you know, all the reasons that you mentioned there for Hooper feels like the good type of player to include with Kittle. Cause the thing is, if you have not played many of these FFPC drafts, I think you're going to realize that uh, tight ends do tend to evaporate a little bit quicker than you might imagine. Uh, so being able to get a guy like Hooper at this point in the draft with such a clear path to targets is pretty nice. Yeah. And I mean, it's, you know, tight ends are so frustrating, especially after the elite guys, but Hooper actually has two top six PPR seasons on his resume. I mean, 2018 and 2019, he was the tight end six uh, back in Atlanta, goes to Cleveland, kind of gets buried in a crap situation with Baker Mayfield, the OBJ drama in his first season there. Uh, David and Joku, you know, probably always looking more athletic in practice and Hooper needing to to be involved in other ways. So this gives him a chance to kind of be featured again. I, I mean, 
listen, I mean, range of outcomes is, is always fun to think about, but I don't know. I, if, if you're thinking of candidates toward the end of the draft that you really don't have to pay up for, which is kind of seems what happens, you know, with the flavor of the week tied into any mm-hmm. point in the season, whoever was going tight in 19 is going tight in 13 the next week because somebody mentions them and it's all tight in there. But if you really look, you know, outside that top 20 right now, Austin Hooper is as good of a candidate to be this year's Dalton Schultz as anybody. Sure. I mean, he, he, he has the path uh, without an injury occurring. I mean, injury occurring is kind of what helped to get Schultz there uh, last year in terms of being a little bit more toward that uh, rock solid starter than, uh, than spot starter. And I mean, I don't know. I, I feel pretty good about Hooper's opportunity. Uh, we'll have to see if he can actually deliver on that, but tight end 25 feels like, a great price, great bargain there. If we're going to miss out on our potential Bengal stack, um, wrapping around to, to around 15 can kind of go any, any direction at this point, you know, we'd like to add two to three more receivers probably would like to get to six running backs, uh, minimum since, since we're going with a committee approach here and kind of went back to the idea of let's target a player in a potentially elite offense. And we go with Daryl Williams, the new Arizona Cardinal. Chase Edmonds out of town. James Conner with the spotty injury history. And, I mean, what, Williams, is, Williams is literally a Conner injury away from probably being an RB1 territory. So this is like a really exciting round 15 pick. Uh, I've been getting access to a little bit more Williams uh, across both platforms that I've been playing uh, since he landed here with, with Arizona in the last month. Yeah, and I would say that this is a, a player that could find a couple weeks where he contributes, even with James Conner in the lineup. Uh, as I've talked about before, this is a team that I expect to run a lot of plays this year. I expect a fantastic year for Kyler Murray. I think that sets up for a lot of quality opportunities, games where he can punch in a touchdown or two here and there. You know, maybe even Connor does some of that work. I know he was awesome last year in touchdown scoring. You would expect him to be the main candidate to get some of that. But I do think that this is going to be an offense that's good enough that it gives him some of those chances. So even with Connor in the lineup, if I'm looking at RB team specific RB twos, I think that Williams is pretty intriguing, especially when we're getting him here. And you think about um, some of the players that are in similar situations that you have to select a lot earlier. Um, you know, for example, you have Naheem Hines going in round 10, Ronald Jones um, in round 11, and we made this pick here in round 13. So I think that kind of gives you, you know, a bit of a comparison of, of why we feel good about being able to get him in, at that position in the draft. Yeah, and I think even... Going back a couple uh, years uh, before the Connor breakout, basically whoever that bigger back has been in the Kingsbury Kyler Murray era, there's been a lot of touchdown opportunity. Kenyon Drake had a really uh, big time season the year before the Connor breakout um, that kind of ex- extended his career and, and changed how teams were viewing him. Got a nice contract uh, with the Raiders after that. So, you know, w- Williams. Uh, you know, going, just going back after a team that's going to have a lot of play volume, a lot of touchdown scoring opportunity. Uh, and if I look at the other backs that are selected in this, in this round and, and really actually since then, there's not anybody I'm super pumped about, uh, as having this type of upside. We see Deontay Foreman, uh, with the Carolina, Carolina Panthers, uh, go the pick right after and Gus Edwards, 
uh, who, I mean, man, the jury's still out on what his health situation is going to look like. And certainly, you know, not much involvement in the, in the passing game and, and all of the rushing touchdowns that Lamar takes away in comparison to Kyler over the last two years. We also see Sony Michelle and Brian Robinson go in round 16, you know, within a round of our selection of Williams, both of those guys in, in backfields that are more crowded and uh, offenses that we would expect to score fewer overall touchdowns uh, than the Cardinals as well. So uh, just patting ourselves on the back for this Williams pick, but I just think for the, for the listeners, these two selections in round 13 and 15, as we're kind of wading through who are the candidates that you want to select in this round uh, in these rounds to round out your uh, running back stable, these are the types of picks you're looking for, you know, very little competition at RB three or lower um, new situations that would, you know, maybe cause a coaching staff to evaluate the incumbent differently um, or, you know, a team that, you know, just has a lot of explosive upside. So I think we check both of those boxes with, with Herbert and Williams to round out where we're at in the draft. Now, Dave around 16 and 17, we take two more wide receivers. We already talked about the Sammy Watkins pick. We go up to new England in round 17 for a player that surprisingly had four weeks of 20 plus PPR in 2021, I kind of had to rub my eyes uh, when I was looking at the NFL stat explorer and, and realized this to get this guy at wide receiver 81, just really exciting. The team did add a lot of other uh, pass catching options in the draft uh, and in free agency, most notably uh, Taekwon Thornton, the field stretcher, but you know, as I was talking with you in our Slack, we expect him to challenge for the Nelson Aguilar uh, snaps for sure. Kendrick Bourne, the player that we select in round 17, uh, touchdown score, big time, red zone presence, early rapport with Mac Jones, year two leap for quarterbacks being, you know, when we really see uh, that that efficiency jump. So I don't, I don't know, you got, you're the one who watches all the Patriots ball. <laughs> Anything you want to add on Bourne? Well, yeah, I think... Um... The other thing that I would say to your point about, you know, Aguilar being more pressed by Thornton, if you pop into the stat explorer, the player stat explorer that we have on the site, and you just look at his pass by location graph, you're going to see that most of his targets are coming in that five to 14 range on the right side of the field or in the left side, actually less than five yards, had five touchdowns last year. But the thing that you might not know is that Kendrick Bourne actually saw a decent amount of usage as a rusher and actually posted 125 rushing yards. Now that's not a whole lot, but I think what it speaks to is just the fact that they made opportunities for him in the offense last year. I expect those to continue this year. And from kind of working through my process of projecting the team, Bourne was one of those players that I felt good about getting usage. As a result of that, I think that we do see at least two weeks, maybe three where he contributes to our team here, which, uh, you know, as we've been talking about for a player that you're getting at this point in the draft, having that type of potential is pretty solid. Looking at uh, 2021 player win rates in the best ball win rate explorer on FFPC, Kendrick Bourne, uh, 13.8% wow. win rate. Pretty, yeah. pretty solid. For, what was his ADP for last pick. year? Do you have that? Uh, I do not, but I could, I could find, uh, find it pretty quickly if you want to burn, you know, 30 seconds here for the listeners. Yeah. All right. I, I don't really know exactly how I'm going to burn <laughs> these 30 seconds here, uh, but I can tell you, all right, you know what we're going to do? Well, Curtis looks that up. I'm going to tell you what I have 
projected for a target share for Kendrick Bourne on New England. And it looks like you've pulled that up. I actually have him at 17%. Uh, so I see him in Devontae, or excuse me. Uh, I have him. All right. I'm going to retract this. This has been a waste of our time for listeners. But Curtis, why don't you tell us what you have? I was looking at my wrong file. I don't have it yet, man. I'm scrambling here. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, I got to go back to last year. So man, everybody, really I'm changing radio. how uh, I, you know, <laughs> I'm producing this podcast tonight. So what is getting recorded right now is what's going on. So you're just going to have to live with it. It's all right. We're at the 35 minute mark. Almost. If you've made I can't it this find far, it. I, I'll, right. I'll, I'll find it. I'll find it another time. The point is that we added Kendrick Bourne and we, we like the pick. We're patting ourselves on the back here. This is probably the, the pick that's going to win 200K for us is, is Kendrick Bourne going off in the snow in January at the end of the best ball tournament uh, next year. So um, we've got three picks left. Let's add a couple just thoughts about how we went around this roster out. We are now five. We're eight wide receivers deep. We've got the the five running backs, uh, two tight ends and and two quarterbacks, Dave. Is this just, you know, whoever's most exciting? Is there a, is there a position that you feel like we, we need to address? Do we need to consider a third QB or third tight end? Um, is running back the most desperate situation that we have here, um, mining for gold? Or uh, should we just, you know, end this draft with 11 wide receivers? Yeah, when I'm looking at this, I think we're definitely good on quarterback. You could make a case for going tight end. Although if you look at the names out there, there's really not that much interesting. Perhaps you'd be looking at somebody like Jonu Smith, hoping that he can take a step forward this year, perhaps as New England's offense does. Maybe Cameron Brait in case Gronk doesn't come back. That could be a sneaky pick. I actually mm. feel decent about where we are with running back, given the fact that those uh, our last two selections are players that I think have roles there, absent of things needing to break their way. Uh, so when I look at the type of back that we could be selecting, it's going to be, it would have to be somebody like a Matt Breida in case something happens with Saquon, Hassan, Hassan Haskins in case something happens with Derrick Henry. So call me crazy, Curtis, but I'm actually leaning towards just continuing to pound wide receiver and adding in another player or two that we might be able to steal a couple of weeks from. I do see somebody like Will Fuller out there who we talked about earlier. If he does play at any point, maybe we steal, you know, a nice game or two from him. Um, Nothing crazy. So that's kind of where I'm leaning. Yeah. I like, I like really all of those comments. Um, And I tend, tend to agree. I mean, I think at least two of these three picks probably should be wide receivers. Will Fuller is in our queue right now. Um, a couple other names um, to add for consideration. You know, one offense that we don't have any access to yet that I would like to have a little piece of uh, would be the Cowboys. And so I think about, you know, a very late pick maybe on James Washington. Yep. Um, it w- would be interesting. He's he's had some big plays in the past. I think the version of Roethlisberger that he played with on his first contract uh, is nowhere near what Dak is now. And we saw, you know, a, a player that had a... I mean, he was slightly more productive in his first contract than, than Washington was um, because he was able to kind of hang on as the wide receiver two throughout the duration of his first contract rather than a wide receiver three, four. But Robert Woods, it really took until he left Buffalo uh, as a former second round pick to get that expanded role. Yep. And, you know, yes, uh, you know, Gallup has had some solid uh, work there and, you know, Dallas invested in the draft as well. But... Um, 
you know, Washington could come in as a pros pro and be the wide receiver too right away. I mean, it could happen. Um, and we also see Brian Edwards uh, with the Falcons. You know, that might be another player to consider here with their wide receiver core being just completely up for grabs, really everything unsettled other than Kyle Pitts there in Atlanta. There's just a couple ideas. We could even go deeper into our Green Bay stack with somebody like Amari Rogers. I was going to say that are dubs, dubs, however you say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, we could go back to the well on KC with a Justin Ross pick. Uh, target the the Bears offense. Uh, they're unsettled wide receiver core behind Darnell Mooney with a player like uh, Velas Jones. So even even Terrace Marshall uh, in, in Carolina, yeah. you know, maybe a, a, a delayed uh, breakout there. So there's plenty. Zay Jones in Jacksonville could be a volume guy. There's all kinds of wide receivers that I'm still interested in, and that's probably where we're going to go. The right. only the only running back that I'm targeting this late that I was still kind of excited about went uh, right after our born pick was Mark Ingram. And I don't know if we've talked about Ingram much on the pod. We'll, we can kind of end it with these comments, but I think Kamara's uh, pending suspension or likely suspension seems to be appreciated by most drafters, but we haven't really seen a corresponding reaction for any of the backs. Um, you would expect that if Kamara misses like six weeks and the Saints offense is still, you know, at least functional, um, the, the RB2 there you would think would be among the most popular because has a chance to assert himself as a, a real focal point of the offense and still be involved after that point, but you're getting guaranteed starts from this guy. So uh, pretty, pretty excited about Ingram. He's a high exposure for me right now. Uh, he would have to climb probably into around 14 area uh, above like the Daryl Williams area for me to stop drafting him. Yeah, the only other names that I've been grabbing late here, at least uh, in the drafts that I've been doing over the last couple of weeks, uh, Patriots running back Pierre Strong, I've grabbed here and there because uh, there yeah. are talks of him kind of taking over that uh, the, the role that James White had. Then Tyler Batty uh, running back for Baltimore, just in case the other backs ahead of him aren't ready to go. Those aren't players that I'm jamming onto every roster. Uh, but I'm sprinkling them in here and there. So I think the moral of the story is when you start thinking about these players and that possibility of them contributing to this team and being, uh, you know, in our roster that's going to accumulate points, wide receiver feels like the position that makes more sense here. And I think we can close on that note. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214 and make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? I'm Kat, founder of Ritual. We're making traceability the new standard for the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I couldn't find a multivitamin I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested, and clean label project certified. Oh, and our vitamin D3? It comes from sustainably harvested lichen from England, not sheep. Trace for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast.